0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So many times people will come up to me uh, at the end of a service and and want me to pray about something. And, uh, and, And my first question is always the same thing, and that is whenever somebody wants me to pray about something, I'll say... Well, what does the Word say about that? Or what are you believing for? Or what are you standing on? What scripture are you standing on? Something to that effect. Because the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If we're saved, that makes us righteous. That qualifies that part. But the second part is, is probably more important as far as getting your prayers answered, and that is praying effectively. You know as well as I do that just because you're a Christian, you don't get all your prayers answered. Right? So much of the church world wonders if there is if God really does answer prayer because they pray as Christians, they pray as children of God, men and women who are children of God, and they don't get answers, so it leaves them wondering, well, does God not answer, the, answer prayer like the Bible says that He does? But the key is to pray effectively. God answers effective prayer. Now effective prayer, bottom line, effective prayer is prayer that's based on the Word. So I'll always ask the question, well, what scripture are you standing on? And because uh, I want them to, I want to hear them say, it. I don't care uh, just if they say they know something. Well, I know what the Bible says about it. I want to hear it. And so I'll always ask the question, what scripture are you standing on? And and so often, too often, and, and fortunately this is not true with people that are, that are regulars here. That's not the case. You know well enough to know that if you ask me to pray about something, I'm going to hit you first and foremost with that question. So you're going to have an answer ready before you ever come. That's just kind of the way it works. But people that come in from the outside, they'll say, oh, oh, but Pastor Mike, I'm a believer. Well, that's great, but what scripture are you standing on? Oh, Pastor Mike, I have faith. God healed me before, and I have faith. Well, none of those things mean anything. And so often, people in the church, people in the body of Christ, go through this christian gyration thing mental exercise about well god did this or i heard that or or something happened to me or i had a vision and therefore i know god's going to do this well none of those are basis are a basis of strong foundation for god hearing and answering prayer i'm sorry they're just not oh but pastor mike you don't understand how bad i need this well jesus said god knows what you need before you ask him so need isn't the basis for answer prayer If God knows what you need before you ask Him, then why ask? I mean, if, if just being, uh, if just having a need for something is the way that you get answers, why ask? Do you see the point I'm trying to make? We're trying to go back to what the Bible says. And so we have established this series, How to Stand in Faith. And we're using as a text scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, we'll use verse 12. We've uh, talked about the, the whole section there where Paul talks about being strong in the Lord and putting on the armor of God. But we'll condense it and just go with verse 12. Paul says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Another translation says, You may be able to stand when evil attacks you. I like that. That you may be able to stand when evil attacks you. Now keep that in mind. Stand when evil attacks you. You're going to find that the Bible defines what evil is. Keep that in mind. You'll see the answer from the Scripture as we go further tonight. That you may be able to stand when evil attacks you and having done all to stand. Now just stop right there. There must be something that we do to stand. Because he says having done all to stand. Well what do you do if you've done all you can to stand? Stand verse 13 stand therefore so I want you to see that standing involves two aspects or two parts the first part is preparation the second part is the act of standing itself the Bible says you're not going to be able to stand unless you've done your preparation it also tells you if you've just done the preparation but then you give up and you don't stand that's not going to work either very few Christians seem to understand both parts now, he tells you what to do to prepare. He goes through the preparation. Having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He goes through all the different elements. We won't take time. We looked at that in one of the first uh, uh, services that we had in this series. But to, to summarize it all, he's saying you do your preparation through the word of God. Because Jesus said that the Word of God was truth. So you can't have your loins girt about with truth unless your loins are girt about with the Word. He says, having on the breastplate of righteousness. How do you know that you're righteous? There's only one way you do know, and that's from the Word. You sure don't know it from your feelings. If you're waiting a vision, for a vision from heaven to tell you you're righteous, good luck on that. Most Christians live and die without ever having that vision. And people are looking for all kinds of other sensory uh, evidence. That I'm righteous. And when they don't get that sensory evidence, so many Christians assume, well, I'm not, but the Bible says you are. So if you're going to have your breastplate, you have on the breastplate of righteousness, if you're going to have your spirit protected, that's what a breastplate does. If it protects your spirit, your heart, your chest, that represents your spirit. If it protects you, it's going to be because you know it from the word. Where it says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means walk in peace. There's only one way you can walk in peace, and that's the word. The Bible says, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. That's only one way that can happen, and that's through a knowledge of the word. Only way. Every one of these elements have to do with the word of God. The preparation is done. You put on the armor through knowledge of God's word. That's why my first question for everybody that wants me to pray for them is, what does the Word say? So preparation is the first ingredient. You prepare by meditating in the Word. Joshua 1.8, we talked about this. Joshua 1.8, Joshua is being instructed to, in how to be an effective leader of the children of Israel. Moses has is gone off the scene, so God tells him, here's how you're going to be successful, Joshua. If he gave him the principles of success, those principles of success will work for you and me too. He says, this book of the law, that's all the Word of God they had, was the law of Moses. This book of the law, we could paraphrase and say the word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. That means you're supposed to say it. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So that means meditating has something to do with speaking the word. It's not some eastern religion thing where you cross your legs and hum and try to empty your mind. So many times meditation is a word that scares Christians because they think that's where the devil gets in. Folks, the devil gets in when people empty their minds. The Word gets in when you fill your mind with the Word. And that's what meditation is about. It's filling your mind with the Word of God, speaking the Word of God. You can't speak it unless you're thinking it. So you speak the Word of God so that the Word of God sinks down into your spirit. It soaks into your spirit like water will soak into a sponge. And there's only one way that it can get into your spirit, and that's by you talking it. It's the way God created it. It can only get in your spirit by you speaking it. You thinking it is not enough. You thinking it is not enough. Think of it in this way. How many times have we seen people pray? We'll say together, let's all pray. And you see people close their mouths. What are they doing? They're thinking. Well, remember a scripture we used just a few minutes ago. The Lord knows what you need before you ask Him. He didn't say the Lord knows what you need before you think Him. prayer is asking prayer is speaking not thinking meditating is not just thinking the word it's speaking the word thinking the word of god's good but it still needs to come out of your mouth the more it comes out of your mouth the more it soaks into your spirit you see people that are hung up with uh, with addictions and stuff like that you know the one sure way of beating an addiction or defeating any area of your flesh is to meditate in what the word of god says about you being free from whatever it is that holds you The more you speak freedom, the more you say, "I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I've been uh, saved by the precious blood of the Lord." The more you say that, the more you say, "Jesus has set me free, and He that has set me, uh, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed." The more you speak freedom over drugs, over alcohol, over pornography, over whatever it is, the more you speak your freedom, the more free you will operate. The more that freedom will take hold in your life. But you got to say it. You've got to speak the Word of God concerning your freedom. How many Christians do you know that are bound up with things and they say, Well, I want to be free. Well, if, want, if wanting to be free was enough to set people free, everybody would be free. Wanting to be free doesn't activate the Word of God in your life. But speaking, it does. That's how you prepare. You speak the Word of God. Say to yourself over and over and over again, Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and with His stripes I am healed. You'll be saying it in the face of sickness and the devil will speak up in your ear and he'll say, well, that can't be true because you know you're not healed. That's the point to answer. I'm not saying I'm healed because I feel healed or because I see myself healed. I'm saying I'm healed because the word of God says I am. And the more you speak the word of God, the more that word will overcome the sickness that attacks your body. That's the preparation you, all, you and I need to make. Every one of us in every situation. Now, what do we do? Once we meditate in the Word, I, didn't, I never finished Joshua 1.8, did I? This book of the law or this Word of God shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. In other words, keep speaking it day and night. Now, folks, God's telling Joshua, the rest of your time is yours, but day and night belongs to speaking the Word. I say it that way over and over again for a reason. That means God expects you to be able to speak the Word of God day and night. There is no excuse, I'm too busy. Because you can speak the Word while you're doing other things. You can speak the Word while you're driving down the road. You can speak the Word of God while you're on break. Some of you may have jobs where you can speak the Word while you're working. There is no excuse for not speaking the Word day and night. There is no excuse for not putting the Word of God into your spirit, making the Word of God a part of your spirit. No excuse whatsoever. And God knows there's no excuse and He let us know that there wasn't. So he said, Joshua, now as the leader of children of Israel, he's got a lot of things to do. He's got battles to fight. He's got places. He's going to have to find out where's the next watering hole. He's got a lot of things to do. But God said, Joshua, you're going to have to meditate in the Word. Speak the Word of God day and night. Now why does he want us to speak the Word of God day and night? Here's the reason why we should meditate. That we may observe to do according to all that's written therein. Now folks, the doer of the Word is blessed in his deed. The doer of the word is the person that speaks the word of God and then acts on what it says to do. Now, what's the result? He said, for then, after you meditate in the word, after you do the word, he said, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. One translation, I think, is amplified, says, then thou shalt deal wisely in the affairs of life. Well, if you're going to have good success, you're going to have to deal wisely in the affairs of life, aren't you? One of the interesting things about that verse to me is that the Bible doesn't even say God will prosper you. It says you'll make your own way prosperous. Now how can God possibly say that? How can God possibly know that I'm going to be able to make my way prosperous if I speak the word? Because if I'm meditating in the word day and night and make it a part of my spirit, then I'm going to do what the Bible says. And doing what the Bible says will always prosper you. Speaking the word of God concerning healing and acting on what the word of God says about healing will cause you to prosper in health. It'll make you a success where receiving your healing is concerned. It'll make you a success in other areas too. It'll make you a success financially. It'll make you a success on your job. It'll make you a success in every area of life. But you've got to speak the Word. You've got to speak the Word of God. You've got to do the Word of God. That's the preparation. All of that is supposed to be a part of our normal Christian life. Folks, this is Christianity 101. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. It is much more of a school than any other healing service i had been to. Pastor Mike goes through the specific scriptures in the Bible that point to the healing power of God. Again, that's healing school each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikewebb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. The second side is the standing. How do you stand? How do you really do the act of standing? Mark chapter 11. When we're talking about standing, obviously we're talking about standing in faith. Standing in the Word and standing in faith are synonymous terms. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So many times people uh, wrongly label what we teach is the faith movement, or the faith message. There is no such thing as a faith movement. There is no such thing as a faith message. There is the Word of God. And the Bible says in Romans 10:17, "So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Whenever you hear the Word of God, faith is, is present. Whenever you hear the Word of God, you have the opportunity to receive faith. Now whether or not you do is up to you because the Bible says there's different kinds of ground. The Bible says there's a wayside just like Jesus told the parable of the sower sow in the word in Mark chapter 4. He said some feed, seed falls by the wayside. Well the same seed that falls by the wayside and Satan comes and immediately gobbles it up, steals it away from, their, from them uh, so that it doesn't become a part of their heart, that same seed is what produces good fruit in other ground. hundredfold in some cases. So the problem is not the seed. The problem's not the message. Whenever you hear the word of God taught, faith is realized. But you have to do something with it. You have to continue in it. You have to take the truth of the word that you heard and begin to speak it yourself. Begin to meditate on it. Begin to act on it. That's when it becomes a part of you rather than just something you heard, something that was presented to you for you to operate on. You have to make it yours. So when Jesus was telling us about faith, he told us the principles of faith. He gave us, in my opinion, the most concise definition of what faith is and how it operates of any other place in Scripture. And that's in Mark chapter 11. Jesus has cursed the fig tree the morning before, and now they come by the next morning, the next day, and the disciples recognize that the same fig tree that was fruitful, or not fruitful, but it had leaves, green leaves, and, and looked like it was, a, it was a big show, it looked like it had fruit on it, even though it didn't. At least it was growing. It looked like it was a thriving tree. The problem was it didn't bear fruit. Jesus cursed it the morning before. Now the next day it's dried up from the roots. Think about the supernatural aspect of that, folks. From a natural standpoint, if you cut the tree down, if you took a saw and cut the tree down the day before, it'd still be laying on the ground with green leaves. But not this tree. This tree looks like it's been dead for years. It's dried up from the roots. Perhaps it would look something like if a tree had been struck by lightning. I believe it was. Not physical lightning, but the Word of God had the same effect on it. From the roots up, not from the leaves down, but from the roots up, it had the same effect as if it had been hit by a natural bolt of lightning. The Word of God is more powerful than any natural bolt of lightning there is. So Peter calls it to Jesus' attention. He said, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed yesterday has withered away. Peter seems to be surprised. Jesus is not. Jesus answers in verse 22 and says, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say... Now we've said this over and over again, but I cannot go through these scriptures without pointing it out. Jesus did not answer, Peter, this happened to prove to you that I'm the Son of God. So much of the church thinks that Jesus did the miraculous things that he did and performed the supernatural to prove that he was the Son of God. If that was the case, this would have been a perfect position, perfect opportunity for Jesus to answer Peter and say, Yeah, Peter, do you finally understand? I'm sent from heaven. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. I'm the one. But he doesn't. Jesus says what did this supernatural, produced this supernatural result was a thing called faith. And he says, the understood subject is you have faith in God. He's saying, Peter, you need to develop faith because faith produces this kind of result. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, not me, because I'm the Son of God, it worked for me. He said, whosoever shall say. Now, folks, we used to sing a song in charismatic circles that said, whosoever surely meaneth me. Now, the whosoever we were talking about is the whosoever of John 3.16. Whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so we used to sing the song about whosoever, meaning whoever is willing to accept Jesus will be saved and come into the family of God. Thank God that's true. But the same whosoever is used here in Mark chapter 11 verse 23. If whosoever of John 3.16 means me, then whosoever of Mark 11.23 means me too. So Jesus said, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say, 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 whosoever shall say. Notice the importance and the emphasis that the Bible places on what you say. Now, folks, there was a... Um, um, well, I might as well tell you the story. Brother Hagen was pastoring a church, or not pastoring, I'm sorry, he was holding a meeting in a church back in the, the 30s, sometime back in the 30s, and he was teaching a little bit along the lines of faith and, and, and talking about confession and things like that, but he was getting a lot of criticism for it. There was hardly anybody else out there at the time that was, that was preaching along these lines, and so he was being criticized, and some of the older ministers had taken him aside and, and, and kind of told him you need to tone that down, you need to emphasize some other parts of the, the word, and, and you're making too big a deal out of this, and he said he was really considering changing some of his message. And he said he was meditating, just praying about some things, and, and uh, uh, got to the point after praying for a while that he really wasn't thinking anything. He had been had his Bible open during this time of prayer to uh, Mark chapter 16, These signs shall follow them that believe. So he's kind of thinking about the signs, following the Word, confirming and following the Word. And finally got to the place where he said he just wasn't really thinking anything. You can pray to the point where your mind just gets quiet. He said, at that moment, he said, the Lord spoke to him and asked him a question. He said, did you notice that in Mark chapter 11, the word say is in that verse relative to the believer? Three times, and the word believe is in there only once. Well, Brother Hagin said he was laying on the, on the floor, kind of staring up at the ceiling. And he said he rose to a seated position. He said, no, no, I did. he answered out loud. He said, no, I didn't notice that at all. So he got his Bible and turned to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. And folks, what the Lord spoke to him, what the Lord told him, was exactly right. Now the Lord is trying to emphasize to him, quit backing up, or quit considering changing your message about, uh, changing your message from talking about and preaching about the saying part, but instead emphasize that even more. Brother Hagan uh, said the Lord asked him even further. He said, how many messages have you ever heard? In all the services, all the camp meetings, all the different places that you've been, how many services have you ever heard on the speaking part? Brother Hagin said he started thinking. He said, I can't remember anybody saying anything or preaching on the speaking part except me. He said, every message I've ever heard about faith is always about believing. He said instantly he saw it. He saw that he, instead of backing up on the preaching on you can have what you say, he's going to have to increase that, which means it's going to make a lot of people mad. Which means it's going to turn off some of these older ministers that are trying to help him along. Now, I'm sure they were sincere. I'm sure they meant the best in what they were telling him. But they were steering him in the wrong direction. Now, I want you to notice Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Notice the emphasis on what you say. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you. Now, that word say doesn't count because that's not relative to the believer. That's Jesus saying something. So, Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall say. There's one time. Say. The believer, whatever believer, whosoever believer shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. So now we got one say and one believe. But shall believe that those things which he saith, there's the word say the second time relative to the believer. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith three times more emphasis placed on the saying than on the believing but i would submit to you that any time faith is talked about it's talked about from the believing side jesus however tells peter this supernatural result took place because of what i said can you see that it happened peter because of what i said now jesus tells him that's not the only way faith works Faith not only works by saying, faith works in prayer. That's why the Bible speaks of the prayer of faith. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, folks, can you pray without saying? Here's the reason faith works in prayer. Because faith works by your words that are spoken. And you can't pray without speaking words. So the question is, what kind of words are you going to say? Jesus said his words, faith filled words, if we can paraphrase, cause the tree to dry up from the roots. Faith I wonder if faith filled words still cause things to dry up from the root. Thank God they do told you the story a couple of weeks ago about the, the lady from Oceanside. She just uh, recently started attending. Um, Linda, are you here? She was here this morning. She and her husband were here this morning. Well, anyway, she told me a couple of weeks ago that um, two years back, she came to our church. She had seen us on TV, started watching us on TV. And uh, so she had been diagnosed with uh, cancer. And uh, there was a cancerous tumor of some type. And so she came to our, to our healing, uh, well, I'm not even sure she came to healing. She just came to one of our services. And after the service, she came up afterwards. First time she'd ever been here. She came up afterwards and she asked me to pray. And she said, I asked her the same thing I ask everybody else. What does the word say? What scripture are you standing on? She said, well, I'm standing on what the Bible says, that Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And with his stripes, I'm healed. Well, I've got a good foundation to pray. Now, folks, I'm relating the story that she told me. I don't remember praying for the lady. I have no recollection of having having met her before. I only saw her the one time a couple of years back. And now she started attending with her husband now. So she told me that I laid hands on her. And I said, thank you, Father. Your word says that these signs shall follow them to believe in your name. We'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Because the word of God says that our sister is healed, we lay hands on her now and we curse this thing in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that she begins to supernaturally recover from this moment forward. She said, after I prayed, very simple prayer, after I prayed, she said, I said, that's it, it's gone. She said, I took that. Now, normally I would say, that's it, it's done. But she said, I said, it's gone. Don't know, I have to take her word for it, don't remember. She said she went back to the doctor the next day. She was scheduled to uh, to have uh, some kind of biopsy or some kind of uh, surgery. There was uh, some surgery involved to to take the biopsy. So she said she went back to the doctor and she told her doctor, "It's gone." He said, "What do you mean it's gone?" She said, "Well, I went to church, had a pastor pray for me, and it's gone." Doctor said, "Oh, okay." You can just see it written all across his face. Oh, you're one of those. So they went ahead, started the biopsy, and guess what the doctor found? It's gone. They wound up doing all kinds of tests. Folks, there was no lightning flash from heaven. There was She didn't fall over, or at least she didn't relate to me, that she fell over under the power of God, that the glory cloud filled the room or anything like that. There was no no thundering voice from heaven saying, this my beloved daughter is the healing power of God. There was nothing. There was nothing supernatural, or maybe we should say there was nothing spectacular that she could identify with this, but something supernatural definitely took place what supernatural thing took place was faith-filled words were spoken and received. We got exactly what we said. Just like Jesus said you would. Jesus said in verse 23, He said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. You know the problem with a lot of people's situation is they're praying to God about their mountain or their problem instead of speaking to it. Jesus said, Talk to your problems. Sickness, go in the name of Jesus. Black go in the name of Jesus. That's all some people's problems just right there. The Christian life is the best life there is because God has planned so many wonderful things for His children. But the key is to become a child of God. And that only comes through Jesus by believing that God raised him from the dead and by confessing him as your Lord and Savior. A simple prayer of salvation would sound something like this. God, I I believe that you sent Jesus to the earth, that he died for my sins, and that you raised him from the dead. I therefore confess him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that you're now my Father. That's all there is to it. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, pray that prayer today thanks for watching come visit us at foothill family church this is foothill family church with mike webb my mother called up and said you have to turn on the tv you have to watch this man suddenly we're watching it every sunday it started the whole well maybe we should go to church he's gonna get out of our pajamas on sunday morning we're gonna go to church and now you can't get us to not come to church and pastors teaching you know it was outstanding on television but you were kind of shocked by how much more there was when it wasn't just the half an hour but you know his full message join us sundays at 9 30 a.m and 6 p.m or wednesdays at 7 p.m visit us online at MikeWeb.tv. foothill family church building strong spirit-filled lives through god's word